Thanks for listening to the AI and IT Ops podcast brought to you by New Relic. This is episode 9, the express version. For all things application performance management, AI ops, digital transformation, and more, check out www.apmdigest.com. Our guest today is Sean McDermott, President and CEO of Windward Consulting Group. And now, your host of the podcast, industry veteran, consultant, and analyst, Andy Thurai. Welcome to AI and IT Ops Podcast. I am Andy Thurai, founder and principal at thefieldcto.com home of unbiased emerging technology advisory services. Our guest for this episode is Sean McDermott, CEO of Winward Consulting. Sean, welcome to the show and to the hot seat. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So, Sean, I, I know you are working on the 2020 IT economic impact study due to be released soon. A few noteworthy points caught my attention there. Can we talk about it, though it's not public yet? Sure. Okay. But before we get to your report, I want to ask you something. In in the last few years, especially with the cloud, multi-cloud, hybrid cloud, the combinational, as someone would say, confusing concepts, <laughs> there's a huge IT tools sprawl. With that, you know, we have an increased spend from enterprises, long learning curves, as with any new tool set, integrating them back into the existing tool set, adding complexity. Let's start off by discussing that heavy, hard and heavy topic. What, what do you say? What's your, what's your opinion? Well, it's something near and dear to my heart. As I've been running a, a consulting company for the last 25 years, you know, I've asked three questions for the last 25 years, and I have yet to get a really good answer from anybody. And that is, how many tools do you have? What do you spend on your tools? And how are those tools working for you? And the fact that I've never really gotten a good answer from that to me is very problematic that there is a substantial problem across the entire IT industry that we are spending and buying tools all the time without a real understanding of how they all work together and what the entire ecosystem looks like. And you could look at it and say, well, you know, it's a spending problem, and it certainly is a spending problem. But it's, to me, it creates much more systemic issues. I think it results in a data problem where you've got a lot of different groups that have access to their own tools. That leads to delivery issues. So it starts creating delivery risk. Uh, a number of my clients complain pretty much all the time that when there's a priority one outage, they get a whole bunch of people on the phone and everybody's looking at each other and looking at their own tools and saying, well, it's not my problem. We actually coined this uh, MTTI, mean time to innocence. So how fast can somebody get off the phone because it's not their problem? And they say, well, my tool is showing it's not a problem. So they drop off the phone. It's creating all kinds of issues in the industry. And it's also, you know, if you don't really understand how these tools are working for you, one of the issues may be you don't understand what you need these tools to do for you. So there's this real gap in understanding what do we want tools to do for us and what do we need to, in order to be successful in our jobs. And when you don't know that, if you don't know what you want, then you're probably going to have a lot of gaps in your coverage. And to me, that also opens up a lot of risk right? and risk around delivery, as I just talked about, but you've got secure risk, you've got reputational risk, you've got customer experience risk, you've got employee experience risk. So tool sprawl to me, it's a disease <laughs> that manifests itself 
in all kinds of ways and creates all these different symptoms in the organization. And we as IT industry seem to be much more inclined to treat the symptoms and not necessarily the root of the cause. Love your uh, new acronym, MTTI, Mean Time to Innocence. <laughs> going to start using that. So I saw that in your report, you say about 64% of the companies are pivoting into new services or products based on uh, COVID-19. What will product and service pivots mean for IT leaders? Uh, how about right now in the current situation and maybe in the next few years when things get back to semi-normal? So we were surprised by that answer. I'll just be very upfront about that because the survey really went out to large companies companies with over 5,000 employees, primarily United States companies. And my thought was that a lot of these large companies, they don't pivot. You don't move the battleship, right? The battleship slowly moves one way or the other. And, and maybe inside of that, there, you know, there might be product lines or business lines that are doing some interesting things and pivot. So when we saw that number, I was taken back by it. So what we found with that question was that the IT organization itself is being pressured to pivot really by the circumstances. And when you have a mass move of people to remote, it changes everything. So what we find is that the IT leaders, they really looked at that question more introspectively and said, how do we, how do we now operate and what do we need to do to pivot in order to support this new remote working? And it's not even so much the IT organization itself, it's the company as a whole, because IT professionals, we're pretty adept at working remote. The rest of the company may not be. So really it's about how does IT help the companies move to and start looking at transformation of internal processes, internal services in order to continue to keep productivity high and in order to continue to deliver on that customer experience. I contend that this remote working is going to be a seismic shift in businesses and we're not going back to what we know, you know pre-COVID. I don't know if we're ever going to get back there again. Right? Because there's a number of companies announcing that you know people aren't going back until next summer. People are going to get really used to working from home and things are going to change. And I think this is a really good opportunity for IT organizations to relook at their internal processes, looking how they do things and start investing in IT. And I do believe that IT is going to come out of this a real winner, right? Because technology is really going to be one of the major things that gets us out of this and gets us into a new normal and allows us to realign our investments in how we do things and the processes to really not only focus on customer experience, but employee experience. Given that shifting priorities and, and pivoting product lines are very normal going forward, how can IT leaders responding to shifting priorities with agility? Can they still meet their overall digital transformation objectives by adjusting during, a, as they call it, halftime of the football game? Yeah, I think the pandemic is causing priorities to shift and those priorities will create new opportunities. They'll delay some opportunities and they'll accelerate some things. So one area where it, I think, may accelerate is in security and where investments should be made now that you have a much larger workforce and much distributed. Um, you know, one of the things our survey found was that if the IT initiatives are not tied to some kind of business outcome, whether it be revenue 
or delivery of some type of service or optimization of supply chain management, something like that, then it's probably going to get delayed. I think one of the things that came across in our survey really loud and clear was the emphasis on people. And, you know, the survey results around where cuts are being made and where priorities are being laid down, a lot of the cuts are coming from very normal sources, right? Consultants and contractors go first, right? They get thrown overboard pretty quickly. That's with any downturn. The number one thing to not get cut was internal staff. Across the board, across multiple questions we asked, that was the theme of not losing people. And even when some companies were talking about revenue going down maybe 15, 20%, which is a huge number, staffing was going down by five, right? So I think that that plays into the cyclical nature of, of the next few years where bringing more people in, getting that intellectual property back into the organization, keeping the people, all the best people you can through this so that they're going to help you, you know, manage out of it. Uh, that's great, Sean. So uh, there's another nugget from your report that I wanted to talk about. You are suggesting, or the report is suggesting rather, 85% of the Fortune 1000 IT teams have made adjustments to their 2020 goals based upon the impact of the COVID-19 it doesn't go into the details of what adjustments. Would you mind talking about what kind of adjustments? You know, when we look at the 2020 investments for next year, overwhelmingly at the top is data analytics and security, right? Those are the two top areas that people are looking to invest in. But, you know, clearly IT is a data-driven organization. And a lot of the feedback I got from people was related to they're getting a lot of information coming in now and where they really want to start making some investments is understanding that data and really using that data to start making better business decisions. And, you know, so I think you're going to see a lot more investments in that area. And that really led into the second area, and that was security, right? And security, I think one of the reasons why it was so top of mind of people is speed and security really don't go well together. And we were in a situation where we moved incredibly fast as a society into remote working, and there wasn't really a lot of time to figure out how secure things were. And I think there's a, a fair amount of anxiety out there now of oh, we need to go back and we need to make sure that we didn't open up a lot of security holes. So I think over the next you know, 6 to, to 12 to 18 months, you're going to see a fair amount of investments in that a lot of thoughts going into what is the best security posture now that our organization has changed is what we've been doing in the past uh, going to translate to what our future is going to be? I think the challenge right now for a lot of IT organizations is what is the future going to be? And I think right now we're in this really interesting time because there's so much, it's like a perfect storm of things going on. Whatever IT leaders are dealing with today as far as priorities and shifting priorities and the number of staff they have and budgets that they have right now, if they've been cut, is probably going to carry into you know, at least the first half of 2021. So you know, you're going to see a lot of shifting. Right. And it kind of back to one of your earlier questions of what happens to IT initiatives and if they're not falling in line with, you know, security and, and customer experience um, and really employee experience and, and tied to business objectives, they're probably going to be shelved. And if they get shelved too long, they're probably going to get canceled. 
So IT leaders really need to start understanding that and preparing for that. At the same time, you know, being a, a visionary leader, you're always looking at what can I have in my back pocket if things start turning around and, you know, I'm free to start doing more things. I have more budget or I have more discretion to start taking on some new engagements. What are going to be the biggest things? And I think that spring of 2021 is not going to look like spring of 2020. The AI and ITFs podcast will be back shortly. I'm Pete Golden, the publisher of APM Digest. And I just want to take a break for a minute to talk to you about New Relic, the sponsor that brought you this podcast today. New Relic has done something a little out there. They reworked everything. See, they've been actually listening when people talk about blind spots or being stuck with a dozen different tools or getting hit with hidden costs. First, they went open source, making it so you can actually instrument what you need. Then they made it so you can monitor your whole stack in one place, including serverless. You can use telemetry data from any source for ridiculously cheap, and there's one UI with all your tools. And they completely changed their pricing so you can easily predict it. This is advantageous because who has time to troubleshoot their bill? Best of all, there's a free tier with one user and 100 gigabytes per month, totally free. So you can really make sure it works before you pay a dime. New Relic is definitely worth another look. Check it out at newrelic.com. Observability made simple. And now back to the podcast. Now that you mentioned data analytics and process optimization, even security for that matter, all of them have been around for a while. Does AI ops help accelerate or hurt the process of any one of them? What's happening in the operations world is you've got an extraordinary amount of data coming in now more data than they've ever had to deal with. And IT infrastructure is just so much more complex. You've got cloud, you've got virtualized servers, microservices, Internet of Things. And yeah, just look at Internet of Things, right? I mean, studies you know out there right now that 5 billion Internet of Things going up to 20 billion over the next four or five years. And everything's instrumented. Everything's instrumented now. And everything's kicking off data. And all that information is coming into these operations teams. And it's just humanly incapable of processing that data to understand what's real, what the root of the problem is, what trends are we seeing, and how do we get proactive. And then you look at the automation side of things. When you look at all this and you look at AI ops, it's actually the perfect storm for AI ops too. Like AI ops couldn't have come along at a better time. I look at AI ops as a strategy, right? It's not a platform. And that strategy is not just you know machine learning on events, which is where the bulk of AI ops is kind of clustering right now. It's really about the processing of vast amounts of data and the ability to move into a more analytical and prescriptive and automated methodology. So when so AI right now is really factoring very well into what our survey came back with, and that is lots of data. AI ops fits into that really well. Machine learning to go through that data, process it, look for trends, pull the things out, get lots of data down into single decision points. The next step of that, and, and security falls into that, the next step of that is moving into and using machine learning for prescriptive routines and recommended prescriptive routine, routines. And then the last part of that is really automation. And you can't automate unless you have processes. So you have to have processes tied to prescriptive models. So when you look at the survey and you see people talking about process optimization, to me, that is really the beginning of 
understanding what are our processes, how do we streamline them, and how do we automate them? Because if you're an IT leader sitting there saying, hey, we may be in this for a while, and I'm not going to have the staff that I thought I was going to have, we have to automate. You don't want to automate bad processes, right? So all these things, I think, tie in really well to AI ops. And like I said, AI ops is really coming into its own at a really, really pivotal time in the history of IT. I'm very excited about it. I think it's one of the biggest things to hit IT operations since I've been in. I'm an ops guy. I've been in this for 30 years. And we're just getting started. That's what's really exciting about this is that we're just literally getting started. So your report also says that about 60% of those who surveyed suggest that 5 to 30% decline in revenues in 2020. How can they continue to spend more on IT by buying those new tools, AI ops and observability and whatnot, and then implement it and do all of that when their top line is down? Generally, when the top line goes down, they always tend to cut the bottom line too, no? I think what's different about this time around is that the shift of society to home quarantine, and we're far from getting back to normal, and I'm not even entirely sure what normal will be. So digital transformation is really the key of how these sectors are going to get out of this. So I think that, you know, if you're a CEO and your top line is going down, you're going to have to cut. And yeah, sure, everyone's going to get affected by it. But you also have to figure out, how am I going to get out of this? And you got to be looking at, you know, where does technology play into the business? How do you get to your customers? So to me, you know, the justification of spending on some of these the initiatives, whether it be AI ops or other things, is really about taking a longer view of how you're going to manage out of this. Because if you cut your IT team down where they're no longer able to innovate and bring new solutions to the product lines that will allow you to be in a much more digitized area, then the company is probably not going to survive. That's the bottom line. You recently wrote an article about the five levels of AI ops maturity. Tell me more about that. Really, the genesis of this maturity model was to help people understand where are they in this AI ops journey, right? I've said this before, it's, it's not an event, it's not a platform, it's a journey. It's a multi-year strategy and it can be complex, right? So we looked at it really five different levels of maturity and, you know, the lowest level being a really reactive organization. So siloed operations, collecting events and logs, more reactive, kind of constant in firefighting mode, not really a lot of dialogue going on with the business. Second area is what we call integrated. So data sources are integrated into more of a unified architecture. You've probably got a more mature ITSM processes and systems. Your organization silos talk to each other a little bit more, maybe sharing information and have a better connection to the business lines of what they're trying to do and how IT can help them. So level three is analytical. And we're here, we're looking at unified analytics strategy. And it's not just about collecting data and creating a data lake, right? It's really about the ability to analyze that data and use that data for optimizing processes, whether it's ITSM processes or delivery of services. Analytical companies are really driven by measure points and baseline metrics. So they're heavily driven by making decisions based on data. 
So you're looking at more mature organizations and have data scientists that are really looking at this data, trying to extract the gold out of it. The fourth area we looked at is prescriptive. And this is really understanding what are your run books for scenarios and using, again, the analytics and the integrated systems to compare data so you can actually get better understanding of what's going on and have more paths to resolve issues or deliver services. And the last area is automated. This is, to me, the holy grail of everything, right? And the idea here is really to have a very much a holistic strategy and automation is built into everything that you do. So part of this model is not necessary, it's linear, but it's really about understanding how to take advantage of what you should be doing in each one of those areas. And the other thing is, is that this model is not necessarily meant to say, everyone needs to be at an automated, fully automated level. It costs a lot of money and resources and time to do a full-blown AI ops maturity model as we laid it out. It may not be the right thing to make all those investments. The model allows companies to really understand we only need to go this far. We don't need to go all the way because everything beyond that really doesn't drive an ROI back to us. So that's what we've been working on. Awesome. Thanks so much, Sean, for the great conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So you heard from Sean. Do you agree? Disagree? Or if you have an opinion, let me know. Let's discuss this further. Also, if you'd like to be part of our podcast, let me know as well. Until next episode, so long and stay safe.